the great ones have that thing inside you when like the chefs aren't looking or, or people that are that have that thing inside them like I just cannot put this out or I can't do I have to redo this like you get this like I don't even know how to describe it unless you have it you're listening to the taste podcast I'm your host Matt Rodbard Stefano Secchi is a modern pasta master and the chef behind New York City's Residora. In this exciting episode, we dive into the ins and outs of making hundreds, sometimes thousands, of fresh tortellini, ravioli, and gnocchi a day. We also talk about what it's like running one of New York's most difficult reservations and how screening an episode of The Bear might actually hit a little too close to home for the chef. I love getting to know Stefano, and I hope you do too. Stefano Secchi, welcome to the Taste Podcast. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's, it, no, I'm a fan, so I mean, to be able to have the chance to chat is is pretty excellent. Thanks, buddy. I mean, I don't have a lot of working chefs on the podcast, and it's not because I don't love working chefs. I work with Dookie and Dan, we've written books with, and yeah. I love being in kitchens, but it just isn't hasn't really fallen into place. But I, Resdora is is was was my favorite meal of last year. Oh, that's amazing. Easily, hands down, and. I uh, I just wanted to have you here to talk about Amelia Romagna, your restaurant, and also uh, I think people are tuning into the show The Bear. So like being a chef yeah. is actually cool again. All of a sudden. <laughs> oh man, like I don't know. I mean, it's funny because yeah, it's it's funny how it ebbs and flows like that. I've been I've done this all my life with yeah. the exception of like one or two years, and I I don't I, I wouldn't do anything else. I mean, I think it's it's an incredible profession. It's 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 an admirable profession from my point of view because I could never do it. But I wanted to start. We published a full Amelia Romagna issue in twenty. 2018. Nice. Uh, and I called it uh, Italy's most expressive region. And I thought, uh, for food, of, of course. Yeah. And um, I love Emilia Romagna, but I wanted to get your kind of take of like, why are you so enchanted by this region that I think is kind of lesser known to like Lazio and Sicily and other places that are well, more well known? Yeah, you know, Monte. you're right. I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think the thing that makes it. <sighs> So interesting. I, a lot of it comes down to taste memories for me when I was growing up. So yeah, my father is from Sardinia. Um, all, most of his family are all over there still. They live in Lombardia and they live in Sardinia. Um, but when I was growing up, we would spend four months out of the year in Italia for summertime, and then other eight months here uh, going to school. Right. And the, the, the taste memories of like eating tortellini in Brodo for the first time when I was like you know four or five years old driving through Emilia Romagna, which to us was normal because in Italia, if you know like if you live in somewhere central like Emilia Romagna, Toscana, you can you can be in Liguria in an hour, mm-hmm. you can be in Piemonte in two hours. It's all by car because you're driving very fast, right? you know, <laughs> with very nice cars. <laughs> and then and then they're the worst drivers you've ever been around. But Truly. it's but Lato Strada, you know, you can fly, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it, that that to me was was what was so enticing. And pasta uovo, fresh pasta for me, has always been a love and obsession. And um, I, that's that's why I, I spend so much time over there. To be well, honest. Emilia Romagna is known for fresh pasta, but f- pasta is made with eggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one big differentiation. Also, you know, tomatoes are not as common. I mean, you have dishes with tomatoes you serve at your restaurant, but it is not the robust red sauce that we know and we'll get into the Italian-American cuisine, <laughs> which I want to get your – I'm really fascinated because you are an American. You know, you have a point of view. But – this is fresh pasta made with eggs. Yep. So, I, so, so 
I think I think the major difference between the states doing it and in Italia, even if you have the same farina, doppio zero, the same flour that you're using yeah. from Italia, is the quality of the eggs that we have here. Um, when we were first opening Resdor, I looked for six, seven, eight months to find the best eggs, like the, the ones that you see in me that are money, dark orange yolks, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. a diet really high in beta carotene, like really, really dark yellow without using any food coloring. Um, and you just couldn't find it. And I'm like, it was like, you know, it was 2017, 2018, and it still blew my mind. I was like, how mm-hmm. can we not? Because in Italy, it's ubiquitous. You find them everywhere, even at the supermarket, right? Mm-hmm. And and but the quality is so different um, of the of the pasta uova, the fresh la sfoglia, the 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 pasta dough, so to speak. So mm-hmm. that's what became uh, that was like the end all be all goal of Resdor when we first opened was to find those eggs. And find those eggs yeah. you find them in the Hudson Valley. We actually found them down south, which you'll laugh. Uh, Where uh, in Arkansas, of all places. Really? So you get them shipped in on UPS? Mm, yeah, pretty so, much. Uh, can you say where you get them from? Yeah, I mean it's it's a company that came from the UK yeah. um, called Happy Egg. And, and they do an amazing job. I'll have I mean, to note that. That's, that's cool. Um, I want to, you know, ER is not uh, all about just the pasta. I mean, right. I think balsamic vinegar and the, the blending of these rich mortadella and, and these rich egg pastas with acid and not just any acid, but uh, lambrusco. It's like yep. this beautiful, um, you know, balsamic vinegar from these grapes. You know, is that unique in Italy? That kind of merging of acid and 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 like heft. Yeah. So you got, you have a lot of cooks that probably listen to this show, right? Yeah. So like so you talk about salt, acid, heat, um, texture, and and I mean, there's there's so many things that like make up a component of a really good dish. And like in Emilia Romagna, you have you have umami from Parmigiano, mortadella. You have like like you said, um, acidità from aceto balsamico. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the salinity from Parmigiano Reggiano. It's like yeah, you have the the trinity of Aceto balsamico, parmigiano, and then prosciutto di parma, which are the three most important ingredients in that region that all over Italia and like what Italian food is known for for the yeah. most part, right? Um, and it all comes from that from that from that region. It's that incredible. tiny little region, I, and I cannot believe I just I, I totally didn't mention Parmigiano Reggiano because like that <laughs> into the cows of the region. It's like driving through Emilia Romagna. It reminds me of driving through like. Uh, like Iowa, I mean, you're smelling like cow shit, like it's all the, true. everywhere. But <laughs> it produces this amazing food, and and I think um, I w- I'd like to know though, like us as Americans, we're so conditioned by Italian American cuisine, right. wonderful food. Not we're not here to like shade on on a eggplant parm, but like listen. Like what do you what does that like what do you think about that cuisine what do you think about that so I mean I mean we can shade on it it's fine I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think you should be honest about those things right so so my, my father's my father's in the restaurant business too my both of my parents are right in and, Dallas yeah in Dallas and we've had restaurant they've had restaurants there for 35 40 years and in the beginning he would do only some uh, things very traditional risotto nero de sepia you know he was doing incredible Sardinian pastas like Jonas and like mm. uh, and like Maloredus would like with like sausage ragus in the beginning and would try and, sell, and no one would buy them. And it's like, here's the thing. He came into this, he came over to the States with my mom in 19, I think early 1980s or something. Right. And, mm-hmm. and when you, you come into the land of opportunity, you come into the land of opportunity and you're like, how, how do you like keep 
you know, how do you keep the lights on in your house, right? Like, how do you survive? And so, like, you start seeing that, like, people want Italian-American. They're used to they're used to chicken parmigiana. They're used to eggplant parmigiana. Our first chef um, with my dad was from Calabria, um, and they're great friends. And they, they I could get him on one day because he has the most incredible mm-hmm. stories you could ever imagine. But, you know, that's that's the type of, of Italia, southern Italian cuisine that was brought over to the States first. And they had this, this abundance of, like, meat. And they're like, my God, we didn't have that in Italia because southern Italia has always been very poor. So let's just go the distance now, right? So like polpette, you know, chicken parmigiana, eggplant parmigiana, you know. Sunday gravy. Sunday using gravy. big hunks of pork exactly. in there. Yeah. Like there was not, that was not in Blasio. That was not there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so then these New York Italians, um, mm-hmm. to an extent, you know, popularized red sauce. And then, it, it, I mean, Texas, Dallas, I can't tell you people know nothing about tortellini and rollo there yeah. to an extent, or they definitely didn't 30 years ago. So my, my dad was just like, how do I keep the doors open? And you, you, you see, it takes a little bit of, out of him when, when he has to serve those things that like, not that he's not proud, but it's just, it's like, you know, you put so much passion in like braising a veal cheek, for instance, you know, and then, and you serve it like on a base of polenta, like you would have Ooh. like in Lombardia oh my you know, gosh. during the winter time. And like, you would, so one, you know, uh, it's crazy. How could that not make anyone like just quiver with excitement? <laughs> it, how, what's your relationship with garlic? Because I, I feel you're eating your cuisine and, and you're, you're you're doing like uh, hens like that are bursting with acid in tortellini or mm-hmm. in, in roll pastas. I'm not saying the right term, but like you're not like overpowering with garlic. Yeah, I mean, we don't have we have <laughs> one pasta um, with garlic on it in it. One pasta right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then and then we do ling, ling, we do like a spaghetti bongole, which we have which we have garlic as well. We yeah. now we, right right now we have twenty six different types of pasta um, on the menus at Resdor. Lunch is different than dinner, which is different from brunch. Um, all, all of them hand rolled. We only buy um, one dried pasta, which is from Gragnano. Um, but yeah, I mean we don't use a lot of garlic at all, to be honest. Which I think um, is important to, to note because you know this is the cuisine of Emilia Romagna, and it certainly isn't overpowered by garlic. Though if you go head south, you're going to have more of it. Yeah. But then if you head like to South Brooklyn, you're going to—that's all you're going <laughs> to taste. All you're going to taste. I mean, do you ever mess with any of these like Italian American restaurants in New York? I know you're working like eighty hours a week, so you probably don't go out that much. But. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, there's some people that do it well, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I can't name any names off the top of my head, but I mean, I know, I know, um, there's definitely some people that, that do it really well. Um, I mean, the Don and G guys are, yeah. are good friends of mine, and comes they, to mind. Yeah, they do, they do, they do it very well. Um, I don't know. I, I think that like it's evolved so much from just the, the over intense um, minced garlic, toasted brown with a little bit of um, pomodoro, and then a yeah. lot of dried oregano. I think things have definitely um, evolved, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, I, I mean it's each their own, right? I mean if, yeah. if people, there's definitely a market for it. Let's talk about your training in Italy because I, I, I know it was intense. I mean there there had to be. I mean the way that you run your restaurant and just seeing watching some of the videos that you produced at the restaurant, which I highly recommend and will link to, like you're clearly um, have, have have a base of knowledge. So let me ask you about Italy and training. Was there a, a test that you had to take, either like literally a test or was it a, a, your own test that you had to pass to, to really like feel like you were truly – an Italian chef. I think. I think what made things difficult growing up is that, like, when I was when I was eating in the states, I never ate the same food that when I was when I was in Italia for the summertime, right? And it, everywhere, and and like, I don't know. I mean, it's. It, I went over there, and I, when I started really, really getting serious about f- cooking there full time and just leaving everything, right? You you get to the point where like, 
if you're going to beat him, it'll remind you, for instance, you need to roll Pasad Matarello, and you need to do it um, really well, and you need to do it with, like, the best teachers available. So I, th- I think that when I, when I was working with Laura Mirandi um, at Osiris Giusti, when I was rolling Al Matarello with her, mm-hmm. and I, I became, you know, um, somewhat good at it. I mean, I guess good's all relative. She's been doing it for 40 years. Austria Giusti? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's incredible. Um, yeah, man. That, that family is is an unbelievable family. I'll tell you the story about how I, I mm-hmm. got a gig there one day, but it was it was uh, persisting and persisting until they're like, fine, if you stop bothering. But they're just an amazing people. And she, yeah. and she, I mean, she is what started it. She was the catalyst, right? Because to, to have like, to, to not roll out on a, on a machine and to, and to be wood on wood and to, and to have a porous pasta that's, got a beautiful sheen to it that's like um, really thin and gorgeous yeah. but um, not super thin it's like uh, until you taste that and, and you taste the textures and it's just you know, absolutely you you can't taste it in many places in right. the states I mean I, I've had Evan Funky's food in Los Angeles yeah. and that's very good I, I mean your food is very good but it's, it takes so much time yeah. you're doing 26 pastas right now we'll get into what it's like to run a restaurant because I want this another section of this interview to be about like what what's going on but <laughs> But really, like twenty six pastas times X components. How much prep are you doing? It's crazy. We yeah. have like, I mean, we're I mean, we're running pasta seven days a week right now, yeah. right? And we, I when I first got when we first started Resdor, I was I was I was rolling pasta every pasta mozzarella at four thirty in the morning, and then Woo. we were only open for dinner time. Yep. At that point, we didn't have any press at all. Um, we were getting like 40 or 50 reservations and like I was 86 and pasta at 830. I couldn't keep up. What year is this? 2018. Yeah. You're, you've been around for a minute, 2018. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then actually maybe 2019, one of those days you, but I, but we couldn't, and people were like, I'm coming to a restaurant, immediate Romania restaurant and you guys are 86 pasta at 830. Like something's not right. Yeah. The critics aren't going to dig that. Exactly. Sure. There's a little more coarse than that, but. Um, yeah, I, uh, to, to answer your question, it's got to be pasta Matarello. That, that to me was the was the difference maker, you know, for sure. Tony Shalhoub is an investor, and it seems to be kind of a, a mascot of your restaurant. I uh, <laughs> love Tony Shalhoub, like truly, truly, truly one of my favorite actors, like incredible. Guys of men. How did you connect with him to become an investor in your restaurant? What's the story there? So my uh, my business partner and his um, uh, my business partner's dad and <laughs> and Tony went to um, college together. They were roommates at one point. Oh, cool. And then um, I know you. He's he is the quintessential taste tester. So I'm just like, just be, pretend like you're secondo and you just gave me CDC and then like be super aggressive <laughs> and and that's and that's where you get stuff fast. So yeah, he's the man. I mean, I, mean, I can't speak highly enough about him. He's yeah, and and it seems like he's a real food guy. It seems like he understands a little bit about what's going on there. Oh man, he's got nothing to prove, right? I mean, it's people like that that you want to be around. It's like, oh, I have nothing to prove anymore. Like I'm like I'm at this great point in my life. Like I just want to enjoy myself and yeah. hang out with people that you know. I dig. Is he making money back in his investment? Yeah, he's thankfully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys are busy. Yeah, very. It's tough to book there. Yeah. Um, Let's transition to the life of a working chef in New York City because this is definitely something I wanted to talk to you about because I think the 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 life has changed um, Mm -hmm. drastically since 2020 and we're two and a half years into the pandemic. I just want to get give our listeners a sense. Of like, what are your biggest challenges right now? Just keeping the keeping the doors open because even though you you are booked out, it's you have to log in like thirty days in advance to get the, the reservation. Very hard, but you still have challenges. It's not a, a walk in the park. 
Yeah, I mean, inflation's insane right now, right? So we can talk about that and yeah. how much the food, how much food cost has gone up, and now you can't talk pass about on. It. Yeah, I mean, you can't pass on. Like, I mean, if we we when we first started buying a case of butter, for instance, during the pandemic, it was like really really delicious butter, sixty four, sixty five dollars a case. Now it's at one seventy. You know, I mean, that's insane, right? I mean, that's more than a hundred percent markup, right? You you get that stuff adds up. So what do you do? I mean, you can only pass so much on. I and mean, we have you know the accolades, whatever you, you could ask for. So like people come in and they know it's not going to. Be super expensive, but it won't be inexpensive either. Like we put, we buy the best ingredients we can get our hands on. Mm-hmm. Union Square Farmers Market is a huge part of what we do, and it's why we are in, in Flatiron and in Kermesse, right? It's mm-hmm. Because we're right there. But no, it's, I think that that I got to preface this that with all those long, young cooks listening right now, now is the best time to get into this business. I mean, like I mean, per hour is going up like I've never seen before. Yep. We we have like it's a li- it's like. A, a lifestyle, a work-life balance that I've never been a part of before, which is like we're pushing for as much as we can. I mean, it's now is a great time to be become a chef and become a cook, and in front of the house as well. I mean, front of the house guys are making killing, you know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, front of the house. It seems uh, hasn't really dipped as much. Um, you know that that that's a very that you know if you're a professional and doing it full time, it's it's a nice living, right? Um, I'm glad you bring up balance because, you know, we're coming on the heels of some pretty big exposés um, about 11 Madison Park and Blue Hill um, from Business Insider and Eater, respectively. Yeah. I'd like to know, do you feel like you're doing a good job with your staff and, and uh, you know, allowing them to have a balance? I mean, with all of these other external pressures, as you mentioned, there's the issue of inflation. There's the issue of pandemic, like yeah. opening and closing. I mean, how do you also think about your staff so I mean, okay. So cooking. So when I back to the, when I was in Italia, when I was with, when I was working with Davide Paluta, for instance, and we were in Piemonte, and we had, we were during the Fede de Tartufo, we had we had like we were working six and a half days out of seven, right? And, and that's the time that those guys, especially in Piemonte, make money. And I mean, we were getting crushed, eighteen, nineteen hours a day, right? And then I would have a half day off on Sunday. Um, where the absolute would, norm in it. Europe, and you would sleep. It's the norm. Yeah, like, people don't understand that here, right? And listen, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's a problem um, because I don't think it is. I mean, it, and again, when I was with Massimo, we saw the change. I saw I was part of of the change. We were there six days, and then Massimo was like, "No, no, no, we're going to close Monday now." So we were closed Sunday Monday, and then we had five days, and we had two days off. Uh, it was a game changer for us. Everyone, you came in like refreshed, feeling great. We'll, I will never, we will never not give people at least two days off, and we'd like them to be back to back. And I, I'm going to jump on the line if, or we're going to put one of the sous chefs on the line if that if that's not becoming the case, right? But like. No, it's huge. It's becoming, it's still a blue collar job, but it's becoming much more white collar. Mm-hmm. We're doing like, we're giving benefits. We're giving, the, the, but the thing that was most important is if you're a young guy, like hey, your, your work-life balance is great right now. And plus you get paid pretty damn well, you know, and then yeah. you can live, you can have a great living in the city. It's the best city in the world. I mean, what about the idea of the abusive kitchen where yeah. we're kitchen talk and yelling and, and becomes the norm. And it seems like Certainly, it still is the norm in many kitchens in, in our country. I mean, I think it's such a hard question, Matt, because like, yeah. like, I know I know those guys, you know, they, one more than the other one personally. That, and and uh, based on those those exposés or whatever you want to call them, those articles, I, I mean, we are super passionate about what we do, right? Do something else if you're not into this. Like, you should get another job. You should find some other way to make money. But it's when you do become obsessed with, with this, this food and this industry, then, like, you want to do it better, if not as best as you can, and and 
and it is a fine line. You can't treat people, you know, like shit, so to speak. Sorry about the the four letter, but mm. but like, but you have to. You people have to realize like, there's got to be something inside you, Matt. That like the great ones have that thing inside you when like the chefs aren't looking or or people that are that have that thing inside them. Like I just cannot put this out or I can't do. I have to redo this. Like you get this like I don't even know how to describe it unless you have it. Like I know like when when I was like in the weeds um, at Francescana and like I had to do like three or four purees for our, our insalata mista or like our, mm-hmm. our, our salad, right? And like they go right inside of the salad and like I have services in like half an hour and like one of them broke or something. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I just got to push and do it again. Like You, you just, mentioned Austria Francescana, which, you know, is Massimo Batora's restaurant. Mm-hmm. Massimo, I've interviewed several times. Very interesting, you know, figure in food. Right. Um, and I, I want to just give context. You're, you went and trained at one of the world's best restaurants, if not the world's best restaurant. It was probably one on San Pellegrino at some point. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So, th- I mean, it's truly like training at um, doing training at, at a high level Ivy League university or wherever. The yeah. I want to make the comparison. So I, I I fully agree with you that if you want to work at the highest level, sacrifices need to be made. Yep. Right. And I know it's tough because you, um, you know, our interaction has been limited, but you seem like you're a genuine guy and you probably don't want to yell at people, right? No, no. I mean, it's not what you want. But sometimes it happens because you are at that level, like you're at the major leagues, you're, you know, let's call it whatever it is. There's going to be heated moments. So, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. So, so here's the thing. So like, so we're a big family at Resdor, right? Like I, I can't, we have fun too. Make no mistake. Yeah. We play music while we're prepping. Like we have a great time. I mean, I, I promise. But like yeah. when, when we're like executing and like we're cooking, like we, you just expect better, right? You expect more from these people. Like we, 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 we just, for example, we have four people trail for one position this week and mm-hmm. like we make it kind of difficult because A, we want to get along with the people that we're working with and B, we want them to like really be good at what they do because if you leave Resdora and you're not going to cook Italian food for the rest of your life, but we want us to be the benchmark, right? We yeah. want, if you say like, you want to know Chibo Italiano and you want to be in New York, you need to be at Resdora, period. And we think we're that and we're yeah. going to continue to push for that, right? Yeah. I, I, you mentioned fun. I mean, can yeah. can sh- being a chef be actually fun? Yeah, it's an amazing job. Come okay, on. I mean, tell me about it. I mean, it's an amazing. I get to hang out with you, for instance, like <laughs> yeah, we, no. and stuff like this. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, we we put in insane hours, right? I mean, my life's getting a little bit easier now. I have two kids, but like, yeah. but to to we do, we definitely put in insane hours. But you get to meet some incredible people, and the thing that we have in this business, especially, is is the instant gratification where you can see people like they spend. It's like going to the theater now. You spend two hours somewhere and like you spend uh, some some money to eat something and like if you have one or two of those dishes that just blow them away mm. and like they come down while I'm at the pass or like or like if I'm watching over the sous chefs at the pass and they, they shake they shake the and this is like one of the best dining experiences I've ever had then you're like that's amazing that's what you ask for. I mean that's yeah. why you do it right I mean that's why you do it yeah. I mean you want you want those those you you want those reactions right you want those visceral reactions yeah. that you get when you put a plate of fresh pasta <laughs> that isn't just a flabby pasta with right. sauce but it's packaged with something a surprise what do you what are your surprises right now what are you packing into pastas because i think i just think of stuffed pasta in you like i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so we we people Kate creator said that from bloomberg she's like you guys are you're bringing back the pasta ripia and i was like oh, i don't yeah. know i mean for me like Tortelloni, tortelloni have always been the benchmark in Tagliatelle from Romagna, yeah. and I, we just try to expand on those things. And um, yeah, I mean, we have so many. We have new ones coming on the menu right now. We have to do a ripieno with with prosciutto and crema di parmigiano for mm-hmm. one of them. We just finished one with um, finocchiona. Um, we're doing another one 
with Strachino that we're working on as well. Nice. We're we're gonna we've got one that we're gonna roll during the fall time with with roasted pear and and gorgonzola de la montaña, hmm. uh, which is gonna be really delicious. Are you R and Ding right now for your fall menu? All the time. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that like, but it has to be very whimsical too. Like we, a lot of it comes from the taste memories. Like we did, we had one where um, was Franco Boli, um, which are like postage stamps, right? In the shape of like a little, um, it was in the shape of like a, a cow or a, a sheep. Mm. And and we titled it Franco Boli to, to Sardinia because it was like the same postcards I used to send to my family in Sardinia oh, when I was working in Media Romagna. But like you, you have the stories behind it and people are like, oh man, that's, pretty cool you know I mean I don't know I think that like the stories behind most of the dishes for us are extremely important well Uh, you trained to Austria Francescana which tells stories that was like what your bag was (laughs) telling stories right Right, right. so you're like kind of continuing in that tradition yeah Yeah, I mean uh, yeah I mean it's it's yeah we're very lucky no question so, have you watched The Bear? Do you know about this show? So, so it's all, all my like all, all the guys I work with can't stop talking about it. So, yeah. so I've seen like, so I've seen half an hour of the first episode, and unfortunately, like there's like it's like there's cussing all the time. So my kids walk in, and yep. I'm like, all right, so we have to like <laughs> we have to we have to tone it down a little bit. But it's like, pretty, I mean. I don't know. I think the premise is cool, right? I mean, this guy is like worked at, I guess, one of the best restaurants in the world and like was moved up to all the way up to CDC, right? Which is mm-hmm. right below executive chef, so to speak. And and then like now is to go run a shop um, that does something apparently, quote unquote, well below his mm-hmm. like talent level, right? I, I think it's cool. I, I've only seen one episode. You've seen I'll one. The rest, yeah. yeah, I'd be curious. I want to email you about that because I feel like there, I'd like to get your take on it. I think it's pretty good. We, we've talked about it a bit on the, on the podcast. So. Nice. What cookbooks do you return to? Are you a cookbook guy? Like, I, I feel like I spotted a few cookbooks in your restaurant yeah. when you walk through. You yep. can you can see them, but like, are you a cookbook guy? We're we're here at Penguin Random House. We publish a lot of cookbooks, <laughs> so I wanna uh, I wanna get your take on that. Um, okay, so Lartuzzi, l'arte di mangiare bene is like <laughs> is like our Bible, right? Okay. Um, Il cucchiaio argento, the silver spoon, is also another of, course, of our Bibles. Classic. I look at those all the time. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. All the time, and and. Larte I have in in um, in Italiano, so that also. But like, I have one version that's like in in Tuscan Italian, so it's like <laughs> much more different. Um, much it's proper Italian, but it's um, it's more difficult to read. But I, I read I read that one all the time. And then there's there's one called Savor, which is also in Italian. That's just based on the food from from Modena and and Emilia Romagna. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the whole fish cookbook's a great a great uh, cookbook as well. Josh Nyland, yes, yeah, great um, book. It Love is. that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's all I do really is, is read whenever I'm yeah. off work. So it's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I, I feel like, uh, when you're reading in Italian or a language, uh, a native language for a native chef and it's Italian cuisine, it's gotta be nothing better than hearing it in that, in that right. voice, right? Hearing Italian instruction in yeah, Italian, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the best. I want to like get into a little bit about home cooking because we have a lot of home cooks on the sh- uh, who listen to the show, and and really, um, I'd like to know, like, what is just something? Just like, give us something that makes either fresh or dry pasta at home better. Yes, there's a couple things. I was I was thinking a lot about this because it's a great question. So first off, you need to season um, the water really well, right? And and to be honest, um, in Italia, we don't have kosher salt, so I always get sea salt. And so it's like, always sea salt. Always sea salt. Cool. And you should 
season your pasta water with always sea salt because you have something, and I say so that it cooks a lot at resorts, like you have something that's 50% of the flavor of the dish, right? And like you're going to put a salt that we never use in Italia um, and you're trying to... Interesting. Find, if you're doing American Italian, that's fine. It's different. But like when you're doing real Italian, you should be using sea salt. Jacobson's well. or something like that, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we have Salamarino from Italia, but yeah, yeah come to resort and I'll give you a quart, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, you can definitely use um, Jacobson's or something. Yeah. Um, but the second one, and if you want to do pasta al volvo, um, I think this is twofold. First off, get the best eggs you can find, period. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, instead of using, like, the, the ratio is duecento uh, grammi de farina doppio zero, 200 grams of, of double zero flour to, to two whole eggs. Um, should be room temperature, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if, we don't use Almatero that often here in the States. You probably have a, a hand crank machine. Take one of the legs away and then use two yolks instead because mm-hmm. the fat's much easier to work with and the fats and the, and the, and the yolks make, make the actual dough much, much richer. That's and it's cool. Much so ne- so just use yolks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then one whole egg and then mostly yolks to, to, uh, yeah. to bind. Yeah, it's, it makes a big difference. It'll be easier to work with. Now, making p- fresh pasta at home, um, it's flour and eggs yeah. and like just some space do you need that big pin thing <laughs> no you don't use yeah you, just use, you don't need the mozzarella just use yeah. yeah use the um i mean there's some great pasta machines we i did something i did something on the instagram called lessons with luca where we did i a love really it cool, it's great yeah, yeah yeah with my son that's a really cool one but we we make we make a few pastas that are fresh some extruded some um some rolled by hand and some rolled um sheeted so I, uh, I I gotta ask you. Uh, we ask all guests on the Taste Podcast uh, if you could write a cookbook or food book without the burden of time, meaning no deadline or budget, meaning you have unlimited money. Stefano, what would that cookbook be? All right, so so it would it would be um, a volume. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna be a volume. It would be no, a re- great. regional cookbook, great. a regional cookbook for every region of Italy, all twenty, and we'll do that one day for sure. Because that the problem, the thing that people don't realize in the states, especially, I think part of part of like why I love what I do so much is that like I'm trying to push like the real Italian traditions that none of us have been working on for like hundreds of years um, to the forefront here in the states, so people really understand what things are like. That every region is so completely different, um, mm. without question. Yeah, there's influences, but they are like so passionate about even town to town. Matt, that is, it'll blow your mind. I mean, yeah, we'll it's, to, it's a wonderful. Are you missing being there in the summer? You've talked many times about being there in the summer, everyone, every summer of your youth. Yeah, I, we usually go back. I usually go back four times a year. I'll be back in Augusta for um, three weeks. But oh, okay, so you've got a holiday yeah, already planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a combination of work and then to see old friends. So what are you going to do? We're going to be in Maldonado for five days. I got. Um, I'm going to go see Davide de Fabio, who's my sous chef at Francescana, for a long time. Go see Massimo, obviously. Yeah. Um, at Laura Mirandi as well from juicy that that place really changed my life because it was like really traditional and mm-hmm. and like blew my mind um and i'll be in bologna i have another friend of mine and then luca's godfather it makes wine in in piemonte mm. um at malvera so i'll go see we'll go see them for five days and then we're going to baptize the two kids in sardinia oh uh, oh that's beautiful yeah, it'll be cool it'll be oh cool. wonderful it'll be real cool stefano secchi thank you for joining the taste podcast yes great to be here finally it's a pleasure without question The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>